Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective. On Oh, man, it's Monday again, and we're talking about politics. But we do that a lot because politics, while it may seem unnecessary at times to be as dirty as it gets... It is necessary for things like police, fire, roads, you know, important things. We are in that time frame where we're in a gap between elections and the legislature meeting. We're actually looking at wallets that aren't going to get any emptier faster necessarily because the elections are done. The legislature's not in session, but we've got to be prepared with facts and information. So we do have a uh, city councilwoman and Brandy Peets with us today to talk about the Spokane Valley City Council, some of the things they're doing and policies they'll be working on. We'll jump into that conversation after inspiration. Our inspiration today is talking about God's doing something new. Is God doing something new in your life? With the question the leader asked in a group I was recently in, my friend Mindy, who is dealing with some difficult situations, responded. She told of needing patience with aging parents, stamina for her husband's health issues, and understanding of her children and grandchildren who have not yet chosen to follow Jesus. Then she made an insightful comment that runs contrary to what we might normally think. I believe the new thing God is doing is he's expanding my capacity and opportunities to love. That fits nicely with Apostle Paul's prayer for new believers in Thessalonica. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. He had taught them about Jesus, but had to leave abruptly because of rioting. Now in his letter, he encouraged them to continue to stand firm in their faith and he prayed that the Lord would increase their love for all. During difficulties, we often choose to complain and ask why, or wonder, why me? Another way to handle those times could be to ask the Lord to expand his love in our hearts and to help us take new opportunities to love others. Heavenly Father, we have our own list of things that we could worry about. Please change our thinking and open our eyes and show us where to love others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, in religion, we believe that it is important that we always expand our capacity to love. But when it comes to government, we don't always want to expand its capacity to tax or expand its capacity beyond what the citizens can handle. And sometimes that expansion is needed because communities grow, communities have different needs, but there's a balance that has to be struck there, which is why we have politics and I know religion and politics, they're tough things to talk about, but they just have to happen and they're going to continue to happen. We might as well have the conversation. We're going to have a conversation about the Spokane Valley City Council and city government uh, just there to the east of the city of Spokane with Brandy Pete, city councilwoman. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So you've been on the city council for six years, six years. Yeah. Okay. And are you, you're not campaigning this season. I am not. No. That's a blessing. Uh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, I it think is. that equals free time. Uh, it does. It does. And it's funny because that inspiration that you read was really fitting for me. And it's funny, too, because a friend of mine sent me uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. You were created with both the spirit of power and love. 
So, yep. it, you know, God's timing on everything. And honestly, that's, that is why I'm not running for re-election. I felt very strongly that I needed to allow somebody else to come in and uh, have a, you know, an opportunity to do some good in our city. And I really am just listening and opening up my capacity and opportunity to love and We just had a a sermon at church, actually, and it was about truth and grace. And so this just all fits perfect. So God definitely has a hand in this for sure. Well, I have to give you props in the fact that you are not looking to uh, expand your electoral capacities. And we need more citizens being involved in politics, getting into elected positions so that special interests don't control everything. We actually have citizens that can go in and try to look at government more like they look at their family's budget or look at the people in their community and say, okay, well, is this going to make sense? You know, actually be a representative. It's just to put it short, be an actual representative. So what's going on in the city of the Spokane Valley, things that I know we just had an election. So citizens had to make some decisions and there's a lot of expansion out there. So Mm -hmm. it's an expansion in government, expansion in, in services, expansion in uh, citizenry and, um, you know, residential zoning. Yes. And in our budget. Yeah. No, what isn't going on in Spokane Valley right now? We are one of the fastest growing cities in Washington state. Um, We are the eighth largest city in Washington state. So we are growing exponentially uh, leaps and bounds. And so trying to navigate through that, also offering the service and everything that everybody's used to while also trying to keep taxes down, uh, also trying to keep the budget down and balanced. And so it's it's been um, an interesting two years, you know, COVID. Yeah, you know. post-COVID. I have to tell you, though, I, I do have to give us props as a city council. Um, in 2020 and 2021, those were some of the most successful years we've had as a city. We came together as a team and worked really hard. We worked really well with all of the other elected officials in Spokane County. We were probably one of the only cities that were in the black during COVID. Um, wow. Barely, but, you know, we, we were able to make that work, and I'm pretty proud of that. That seems to be a tradition I don't know if it's because the city of Spokane Valley is close to Idaho, which kind of has a tradition of of more balanced style governance and at least budgets. And I see that other cities, without all the COVID money coming in, they would have sank. Yeah. I mean, we did take advantage of some of those dollars as well, too. But we have a pay-as-you-go philosophy. We don't like to bond. We don't like to, um, you know, like put debt on our on our citizens um i believe at this time the only debt we do have is our city hall so and we have the highest bond rating that you can get for a city of our size so we're we're doing it right but you know it's difficult Uh, there's so many things and uh for those who aren't aware you know city council is in charge of public safety roads infrastructure and parks and so even though there's a lot of politics in uh, local government, uh, none of those things are partisan. And so it makes it a little bit easier that way because you can kind of navigate the waters a little bit better, you know, having to work with other people and get different resources and make sure you're doing your best for the citizens. And so we, we were able to do that. Yeah. And, and those are tough things to balance because other cities have cut law enforcement. They've cut their fire service uh, over the last decade or so. Now we've got inflation and you bring up bonded indebtedness, that's one of those pieces that these municipal governments that are heavy on the bonded indebtedness are going to struggle with because they have the realities of that inflation attacking future budgets where they really don't have solutions because they're already maxed out on that credit card, basically. Yeah, no, we've done such a great job. And one of the things that we are going to have some conversations about, we've already had some, 
we will be having some more in the future um, is about our police contract. And so we did just get through renewing that again, but we had a study and we have 91 officers for 2022 is what we were told. And then we had 37, I believe, commissioned officers that we share with Spokane County. And through that study, we were able to determine that we need 29 more police officers. The bulk of it, probably about, I would say like 40, maybe 45% of that is patrol and then the investigative units. So it'll be a tough conversation to have. Yeah, well, that is something that is happening nationwide. A lot of police departments are lacking officers. Some of that has to do with the cost of things. Of course, a lot of it had to do with municipal governments that became anti-police that thought they could go with some kind of new smart justice. And what it's turned into is out of control crime rates, property crimes, things like that. So when you talk about that, the amount of officers you need, is that looking at the study, of course, probably is looking at the, I'm trying to think of what the number is. It's the federal uh, FBI's, you know, with crime statistics, how many officers you should have per thousand residents. Correct. And, and so you we, guys have grown in tens of thousands of people just in the last five years. Yeah. Well, when I started, we were at 89,000 and now we're above 110. Uh, we grew a lot a during lot. COVID. A lot. And there's development. There's great things happening that mm -hmm. helps expand municipal government's checkbook, if you will, since you're not using the credit card like other cities are. But sometimes it's not enough. So you have to either shift where your spending priorities are or the citizens have to be willing to pay more in taxes. Are you one of those that hold the ideology that tax increases should be more voter approved than councilmatically approved? 100%. So we just, for the 15th year in a row, did not take the 1% property tax increase. It's been very controversial. Several of our council members are divided on it. One of them in particular has been very adamant about wanting to take it. And a couple of things with that. One, we have a lot of money that's on contingency right now. Yes, it, and I want to determine too um, and let people know there is a difference between surplus funds and a difference between reserves. And those get interchanged a lot and they are not the same thing. So we have what is called surplus. And so we roll money over from two years previously and then we can use that towards capital projects. And so when we use those to fund our roads and things of that nature, people think we're using our reserves. We're not. It's semantics, but they are not reserve funds. So Well, well you've got a legislative body that is deciding the spending priorities and reserves are what has been decided you'd put in your savings, just like your personal bank account, right? So you want to put... 10% of your income and maybe split it into charity or savings, right? And that's your reserves. Whereas your surplus is basically revenues that come in that were beyond projection, right? Mm -hmm. So, so that difference, why is that difference important in the, in the Valley in, in recent time, as far as spending goes? Well, it's important for people to understand too, you know, when we talk about tax increases or we talk about adding money to our budget or any increases in finances at all, you know, in, in that particular instance, it could be just a couple dollars per person, but you have to look at it big scale, right? You've got the county that's doing taxes. You've got all these different utilities that are doing taxes. You have other municipalities, you have school districts, you have police, you have fire, you have all these different people who could be raising taxes. We were the only ones who did not raise taxes in 2020. 
And, yeah, so, and sometimes it's not just taxes, it's fees. It's, yes. you know, different other, other costs that aren't called taxes, but it's still taxing in the end. Correct. Absolutely. And so many of the conversations we've had over the last few months have been about tax increases. And um, a lot of the arguments have been, you know, it's only a couple dollars per household. But one, we have a lot of people who live on a fixed income. A lot of people are still trying to get out of COVID. Those couple dollars mean a lot to people. And when you're doing that in 10 different instances, when you've got all these different people who are trying to, you know, come at you all at once, you've got to think of it that way, right? So one of the Yeah, things- in the city of Spokane, now I know that you started out the show saying you guys haven't raised taxes and you know, like 15 years or something in, in one, the 1% yeah. property tax, the city of Spokane, it's always, we're going to vote, you know, you need to vote to raise your taxes. It's just a cup of coffee. I'd have enough coffee for the rest of the year. How many times I've heard that I wouldn't even have to buy Shannon. We wouldn't have to buy coffee. Think about that coming out of our budget. I'd like to stop drinking coffee for just a little while to start saving up some of that money. So we do have a surplus. The, the, the coffee money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So it, it is amazing how... Imagine the, that. How many people could just stop drinking coffee for one week and we could have a surplus? Well, I don't know that our... Sur- we drink Folgers. It's not like we're <laughs> getting it at the coffee shop. So, you know, it depends on how you what, what coffee you... And that's the, the kinds of decisions that city government has to make. Are they getting the latte with the cream and the cherry on top? Or are they getting the coffee that the guys down in the road department are drinking that came from home and they brewed it themselves, right? So there are those distinctions, I think, that that are important. So we're going to talk more about that. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back with Councilwoman Brandy Peets. Don't go anywhere. We are in the Thanksgiving season, and here at the Right Spokane Perspective, we want to thank you, the listeners, for listening, and we want to thank those listeners that have help support the show, keep the show on the air by sending those donations to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, PO Box 7620-99207, or who've gone to the website and donated. They've kept us on the air. We've just finished up pretty much a, a campaign season where we've provided those candidate interviews to you, the listener, And we want to appreciate those listeners out there who have used those interviews to help inform their family, friends, and neighbors on who the candidates are. So in this thankful season, when we get together with our family, we want to thank them again for being a part of our lives. And we want to thank you, the listeners, for being a part of ours. Happy Thanksgiving. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on this. Oh, man, it is Monday again episode. We are here with Brandy Peets, councilwoman in the city of the Spokane Valley, we went off into the break, and I think I took too long of a break because now I know more about what's going on in the Valley, and you're going to hear about it. You're going to hear about sports. You're going to hear about transportation. And, well, and you're going to hear, oh, how it's going to cost you more to live in the Valley. So jump on in and tell us uh, some things going on in the city. The first half, you were very complimentary about the city of Spokane Valley, keeping taxes low over the last decade or two. And it looks like there's a little transition happening where government is expecting more. Maybe the people are expecting more, but government's not balancing cost and style of governance. What, what's your thoughts and what's the issues? Um, you know, I would say a couple of things. One, you know, you get what you pay for, right? Nobody, nobody wants things for free. Well, I don't want something for free. I, if I'm going to want something more, I'm going to pay for it. Right. Well, um, roads cost money. So exactly. you want the potholes filled. You know, then you got to pay somebody and get the products right. 
Right. So in in some of these um, situations that we have going on, there is debate about whether or not the maintenance that we're doing is enough. So for example, transportation benefit district, I'll just bring that up. We're talking about our roads. And so a lot of the times you'll hear people say that we have a deficit. It's not very accurate. We normally do about $8 million each year um, about preservation and road maintenance. And so they did a study and in their belief, and this is staff and the consultant that did this, and we also had a, um, a committee that was put together of locals as well, and they believe that we need to double that. It doesn't mean that that's what our deficit is. That just means that they believe we need to be going that far above and beyond what we're already doing. Well, they want so, to preserve the attitude that most people have. If you drove with your eyes closed, I don't recommend it. But if you did, <laughs> once you, you know, maybe have the passenger do it. I think that's better advice. Have the passenger, you know, and, and when you transition from the city of Spokane to the city of Spokane Valley, you notice a difference in mm-hmm. the way the vehicle rides. I'm sure that in the city of Spokane Valley, people stop by the coffee shop and they're not as concerned about a well-fastened sealed lid like we are in the <laughs> yeah. city of Spokane when commuting. So those are important things to people, quality Absolutely. of life. And and your car's not getting damaged in the process. So you got to look at that, but you also have to mm-hmm. do it from a reasonable standpoint of, okay, how can we over a time period solve the deficiency of road preservation without blowing out our, our budgets or putting too much burden on the taxpayer. Absolutely. And, you know, some things that I think people need to realize, too, is in, in any situation, we could always be doing more, right? But is it necessary? We have a 76 PCI, which is our pavement condition index. It's That's really high, especially for a city of our size. What's Spokane's, like 13? I, <laughs> I, I have to confess. It's I don't know. Why don't you take a look at the side of the road on Division and Mission where the bus stops? You tell me what the condition of our roads well, are. Well, that, that one would be like a three. So, because yeah, no. there's asphalt there. 2.5. I mean, yeah. But <laughs> well, we're, we're pretty excited pretty about yeah. 76. Um, with anything, just like I said, we could always be doing better. But um, we're trying to think outside the box. So something that we did this year is we took some of our extra money and we did a pilot program. And so we did surface treatments. And so one of them was called a slurry seal. And so it just kind of preserves, you know, a little bit more of your road. And so when we we see that that happen in parking lots, you get into a parking lot, you're like, wow, this parking lot almost looks new and in a business. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it's just that they put a seal on there to preserve it. They came and gave us a presentation, um, a while back and, uh, we, we were told it was successful. And so we're looking outside of the box ways to try to maintain some of our roads and also preserve them. No one's saying that we shouldn't be going above and beyond because obviously we know that for every $8 that you put into preservation, it saves you on the back end. Oh yeah. Regular maintenance is always easier than just buying a new car. Absolutely. And so um, there, there's no debate that we need to be spending more because we don't want our roads to become like new. ours. Yes. <laughs> in, in you can nice say way. it. It's okay. Yes. We know. Yes. Um, but also, too, you know, to, to say that we have an $8 million deficit is also not accurate either. Yes, we could be doing more, but well, $8 may, million, maybe, eh. maybe $8 million if you didn't do anything about the problem 10 years from now. Right. Exactly. So you got a perspective on long term, not not short term. Yeah. So, so um, the council's majority did go ahead and pass the transportation benefit district um, intention of power. 
And so that so is that's something. The, that's the creation of a taxing district. Correct. So um, people will want to be uh, present and give their comments for or against that. Um, it would be nice if we had some public comment on these because we haven't had a whole lot. Now, I think that's how the city of Spokane ended up with a lot of parking meters. Is that is that somewhere along those lines? I hope we never go down a road like that. Well, well the city of Spokane Valley doesn't have... Well, I heard you had one parking meter, like an antique or something on display somewhere. Uh, we may. I don't but, know. Yeah, that was a... That is the city of Spokane's, you know, one of the places. And so we have problems attracting people downtown because they have the parking meters and instead they go to the valley because mm-hmm. there isn't the parking cost. So that, that is an issue that's a quality of life. But, you know, you pay over here, you pay over there. Mm-hmm. And I think that user fees are more fair than just taxing grandma that never leaves their house that doesn't drive a car, you know, yeah. those kinds of things. So um, what else is there? I mean, if we're going to kick the can or maybe the <laughs> soccer ball down the yeah. field, what else is going on like in, in sports? Uh, uh, yeah, in so valley? we had a tourism study that we did. And so we partnered with the county. And so it was $100,000 to do that study. We paid 50, they paid 50. And so um, for those who are not aware, the county does own Plants Ferry, even though it borders our city. And so we we do use that very heavily, but it's the county who operates, maintains, and owns it. So the city of Spokane, in a very controversial move, uh, got rid of their stadium and put it downtown where you have to pay for parking. And the- If you can find it. If you can find it. (laughs) The city of Spokane Valley, you guys are looking at investing because we have the Merkel Fields over there mm-hmm. for city of Spokane that get used. We, we have public school spaces, parks. City of Spokane has lots of parks that can be used for outdoor stuff. Whereas you're looking at a county property that your residents use for sporting activities uh, very highly. Yeah. Well, and right now it's being heavily used by soccer association. There are so many fields and, um, but the problem is, is it has a crown on it. So if you're on one end of the field, you can't see the other end of the field because of the crowning. And so the earth is round. Yeah. Wow. Imagine that. Sorry, flat earthers. Yes. Yeah. So it makes it really difficult. It's unsafe. It's also really old, needs a lot of maintenance. And then, um, as we're looking at turf also, um, not only is that more cost effective in the long run, but it's also um, you get more capacity out of it. So they want to do this in phases. As I said earlier, we do a pay-as-you-go philosophy. So we're looking at three phases to update Plants Ferry to not only increase the capacity, but to make it safer, to accommodate all different types of activities. And if we don't do some of those um, investments now, we will have zero capacity at Plants Ferry because eventually it's going to get to a point where we can't use it at all. Just uh, safety issues. Absolutely. Yeah, access Um, is important. Absolutely. And the neighbors have came to us so many times and said, you know, you guys have to do something about this entrance. That is part of phase one, is moving the entrance from the north side of Plants Ferry to the south side, which is on Trent. There is a concept drawing. It Actually, it makes a lot of sense. That study, um, they did a fantastic job. And so I want to say there will be 15 fields that are multipurpose. You can do lacrosse. Soccer, football, flag football, you know, all these different uh, sports makes it very um, multi-purpose. And then you have, I believe it's five diamonds. There will be a concession stand. They will be adding extra parking and also moving some of that parking to make it a little bit more efficient. Yeah, so, I, I kind of was, I don't know, I'm not disgruntled taxpayer, but when I, when I saw the count, so the county owned it and, and I looked at the parking situation 
And oftentimes when I head out up River Drive, that direction, I would see vehicles that looked like they kind of crashed almost, but they were just parking in the ditch to go to games. Mm -hmm. So that was a problem. And then you also had just slow traffic. There was an entrance that was kind of at the, kind of on a slope and a curve. And these are fields that, I mean, if you had access, you could accommodate a thousand or 2000 people very Mm -hmm. easily in an afternoon there. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that we really took into consideration too, as we were looking at this proposal is what could be more efficient, not just for the citizens, but we want to bring tourism here. But we also want to make sure that we're, you know, taking our roads into account, safety, um, and also increasing the capacity. If we want to spend funds, we want to make sure that we're getting the ROI, right? And so um, in the first phase, we would be increasing the capacity by 19%. By phase three, it would be, I believe, 65% of a capacity increase. The activity that they're doing now, they're already maxed out. And that's oh, just soccer. The, the city of Spokane Valley's almost doubled in size since Plants Ferry Park's mm-hmm. existence was created. Right. Well, so it makes sense. People to, talk to all the time about how they want to build infrastructure and investments and community and all these things so their kids can stay here. Well, what else do you think they need? They need parks. They need their kids to be able to have opportunities to get involved. And, you know, sports aren't just about going out there and, you know, like running your energy out. You learn discipline. You learn how to work with others. You learn. Yeah, absolutely. There are so many other things that you can get from sports and it's very important. And so people need to take that into consideration as we're looking at this. Well, and I look at it too, repurposing. It's already owned property. Mm Mm-hmm. It's already got sizability to it. I don't know why it was like, I went by there when it was done in concept at first. Soccer wasn't quite as popular here as Mm -hmm. it was back then. I'm like, why is it just soccer fields? Why isn't it multi-purpose? Oh, there's so a lot that it, there's a lot behind the yeah. scenes. So there was a soccer association a really long time ago that came to city council and said, you know, there's not enough soccer fields, and you know, baseball's the, you know, they're all over the place. So they shut a ton of baseball fields down and made them soccer fields. Well, now it, it's like a pendulum, right? It is swung way too far in the other direction. Well, the baseball players don't have any baseball players forgot their lobbyist. The soccer <laughs> players didn't, right? Yes. That's, that's kind of what happens. And yeah. that's why we need elected leaders that kind of look at a midpoint and say, okay, how can we, okay. Is soccer season completely overlap baseball? Can we share, you know, Absolutely. look at some of these things. Yeah. And uh, lacrosse is getting really big too. And they yeah. don't have anywhere to go because soccer is at capacity and they have to share the same field. And yeah. what about so. bathrooms? Uh, It would include concessions. And so if you've ever been to Franklin Park, um, one of the things that I said that needed to it needed to incorporate is to have a concession stand in the middle of all of that several, you know, um, uh, levels. So that way you can have umpires that can go in there that need to change. You have a concession stand, you have bathrooms, you have changing rooms, you have, you know, where they need to go do coin tosses or whatever it be. It could be a multi-purpose facility. And the one thing that is very important in this um, endeavor is that the city cannot run it. It needs to be a private uh, entity that does that because we we know what happens when government tries to run uh, well, this, things outside their purview. And the city of Spokane Valley has been really good at contracting things mm-hmm. for a reasonable amount to where it, you know, it doesn't turn into, you know, people going on strike. It's just you got a good contract or a better contract, come back with a second proposal because that looks too expensive. You can do that Mm -hmm. if you're contracted in that way. So we've got about a a minute left to cover 
another issue. I know you've got about 15, so let's <laughs> let's try to cram another one in here. Yeah, so um, nuisance properties have been a big discussion, and so we did just pass an ordinance um, about unlicensed vehicles and junk vehicles. And so you can either have one junk vehicle or one unlicensed vehicle, one or the other, you can have one boat, and this does not pertain to any commercial businesses or if you have like a parts vehicle because some people have an extra vehicle. I was going to say, because yes. I'm going to lobby you on that because <laughs> yeah. I know that there are several race car drivers out there. <laughs> yeah, Those yes. are not junk cars. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Those are like race them. cars. They are cars. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and, well, and you might need to have a little carve out in there for the people that go down to the Spokane County Fair and do those demolition derbies. The demolition right? derbies. Mm-hmm. Maybe have a caveat in there that... Your next year's demolition derby car needs to be covered with a tarp. Well, or and, and that's one of the stipulations because we we really we try so hard not to get into the private property rights. That is very important for us. But at the same time, when you have people who are constantly coming and complaining, we talk about house values. We talk about where do my rights be? You know, where do mine begin and where do yours end? In some instances, we we really do need to step in and make some hard decisions. And yeah. it's difficult, you know, because nobody wants to be told what to do with their own well, what's, property. What's interesting is if someone has a nice fence, and I always say that good fences make good neighbors. I mm-hmm. didn't make it up, but it's out there. And and if you have a fence, if it doesn't look bad, you're probably not going to get complaints and well, you're probably and not going to have trouble. If you're parking it on the street and in your front yard, um, probably keep all the parts on it. Yeah. Well, and that's part of the stipulation. You can have as many as you want as long as it's in an enclosed structure. So um, as long as it is fenced, you're okay. And but if it's city out, city government yes. is pretty much complaint driven. So if you're yes, good with your neighbors and uh, you're You'll respectful, you'll be good with the city. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, we're out of time for today. Thanks for coming in, Brandy Peets. We will Thank be you so much with you listeners again tomorrow. Bye bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.